you're listening to The Language Experiment, the show that's all about raising multilingual children. I'm Kaisa Martiskainen. And I'm Camilo Lakis. And we'll explore how parents can help their kids become fluent in more than one language. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the show from hot and humid Montreal. Welcome. We're in our basement. That's the only cool place in the city. That's true. But before we start, there's something really interesting about living here in in Canada, especially here in Montreal. You just move from this Arctic winter to extreme hot summers. So minus 30 to plus 35. It's just really interesting and challenging. Mm-hmm. Especially for me, coming from Brazil, where weather is relatively the same all the time. But this is basically what every single person actually will face when they decide to change their lives and move away from their home country to a place that is completely different from where you used to live. And it's really interesting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Making a big change. Change and challenges are part of life. And that's precisely why today we're going to be talking about the challenges of balancing multiple languages in the family. We thought this would be a good topic because it's obviously a big part of our everyday life. And these are also things that many parents who are doing what we're doing are struggling with. And these might also be things that new parents-to-be are thinking about. How so? They already know that this challenge exists and and they're already wondering what are the strategies that I can use to handle these challenges. So we've chosen to talk about four challenges today and they are certainly not the only ones because there are plenty, but today we're going to tackle these four. Um, And fun fact, recently we were at the park and we end up meeting with this dad from the daycare where our daughters are in currently. And he was talking about the difficulties that his daughter is having in speaking different languages, speaking within the daycare itself. Some of the questions that he had during that conversation would actually fit for this episode. And it's funny because we were preparing this episode at the same time and we just bumped on him by accident and this happened i think a lot of this episode was inspired by that conversation that we had with this person that we just met so that's it let's start with challenge number one maintaining equal exposure to all languages this is a really tough one because as anyone who has learned or tried to learn a new language knows getting exposure to that language is by far the most important thing about learning. If you don't get enough exposure, it doesn't matter how many years you studied or the kind of things that you did, but if you don't get consistent exposure to a language, it's very easy to lose it. And this is exactly the case for little children learning languages. When we have a family such as our family, where we have two different languages that are being spoken, one by each parent, Sometimes it is a struggle to make sure that the children get equal exposure to both of those languages. And I guess a good example of where this balance is a bit harder to find 
would be if there was a couple where, let's say, two languages, two different languages are being spoken, and this is a couple where the parents are following the one parent, one language strategy. Let's say one of the parents works full time and the other one stays home with the children. This way, one of the parents gives much more exposure to their own language to the children as opposed to the partner that works. What should you do in this kind of situation? Should the person who spends more time with the kids try to teach both of these languages to the children or just keep teaching their own language and then just accept that the other language doesn't get that much exposure? It's a tricky question. What do you think, Abilo? I'd say for these kind of situations, when you have one of the parents that are mostly absent due to work, try to keep that exposure in place. How can you do that? I believe one of the things that you can do is try to balance it out, that absence, with features around the house that will bring that language back to the kid. Your dialogue with the kids, your interactions with them, you know, go take a shower, let's go outside, let's go for a walk, or whatever you need to do, the kids are going to be on your own language. You are present, you are with them. However, if the kid is watching a cartoon, if the kid's listening to music, if they need to read a book, if they already know how to read, try to have those exclusively on the language from the absent parent. That way, you try to keep that exposure always there, and the kid will not lose contact with the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good. That's one good way of balancing it out without actually having to take on a language like another language yourself and try to teach too, because I think that becomes tricky. And especially if you're not super familiar with the other partner's language, obviously, I'm sure it is doable for many people. And I know that there are many parents out there who are teaching two languages or maybe even more at the same time, but just the difficulty level always goes up. So obviously it is every family's choice, what they feel comfortable with doing. And I would say that if one parent works and one stays at home, just making sure that the parent who's working really is involved with the routine of the kid or the kids in the morning and in the evening when they're back from work, if at all possible. Even this small amount of time in the morning and in the evening, and then obviously during weekends when hopefully they're not working, this makes a big difference. Even though it's it wouldn't be the exact amount of time that is equal between the two parents, make that time count and try to be present in that moment and try to talk and communicate with your kids as much as possible. It's not always just about the quantity of the time, but if you only have a little bit of time, just make sure that is of a good quality and that you are present in that moment. And I just thought of a different strategy for the parents that do speak the two languages. One thing that you could do is if one of the parents speak both languages, in this case, the language of the parent that is currently at work, you could switch the strategy a little bit. You, you adapt two of the strategies that we talk about in our previous episode. By the way, if you didn't listen to the previous episode, I would recommend because there's a lot of 
insights that we might be talking here that you might be a little bit lost if we start talking about Opal, time and play, and so forth. So take a look at the last episode about the four strategies that parents can use with their child, and then you come back to this episode and continue to listen to, to what we are discussing here right now. But getting back to the parent that speaks both languages, you can use your time and play strategy. You, you, while the other parents aren't work, you can say, hey, on this floor, we speak this language. On the other floor, we speak a different language. Or in the morning, we speak A. In the afternoon, we speak B till dad or mom comes back home. Mm -hmm. This way, you keep the exposure, you keep the quality. Like as I said, it, the quantity, quantity is not necessarily good. Quality is better. So if you keep the quality and the exposure there, you should be good to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think if you ever notice that there is some kind of an imbalance between the languages, there are also some other small adjustments that you can do. You can make sure that you have these WhatsApp or FaceTime conversations with family and friends who speak that particular language that's a little bit weaker. I mean, if you don't live, live near family, if possible, you can also try to travel to, a, to see your family or to a country where that language is spoken to get a little bit of extra exposure. Obviously, that's not always an option for everyone, at least to be doing all the time. But I mean, we just went to, went to Finland for one month and we hadn't been there. I think the last time we had traveled anywhere was before the pandemic. So 2019 and we were in Finland for a month. And I think that trip was transformative. Yeah, for the was... girls in that sense, when, when it comes to language, social interactions, obviously not everyone can go go on a trip for, for a month, but even just a week or a couple of weeks can make a huge difference in the kids' lives and in the, the way that they learn the language. And this trip to Finland was interesting just because myself as a non-speaker, I was able to also test my Finnish facing these situations where people come to talk to me and I just discovered that I understand more than I thought that I was understanding. Mm -hmm. I was able to go to the mall and some interaction would come and, and I was able to understand the context at least, answer and get away from the situation and it was, was really fun. And all that learning based on this exposure mm -hmm. that I had all these years between you two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting. Also, it's really interesting to see my daughter being the official translator. So whenever we are just walking around, she's tapping me saying, hey, dad, that person said this, that other person said that. Was, oh, nice. I have a spy now. <laughs> yeah, she really is a spy. <laughs> the trip was not only good for the kids, but it was great for you and your language learning. And I think that's a good segue to the next challenge, which is also very common, and it is family members or partners feeling excluded within a family because of language. I know that sometimes it's difficult if you don't speak the language and then you have your kid talking to your partner about any kind of topic and you absolutely don't understand what's going on. This happens all the time, at least used to happen all the time with me. I have never had exposure to Finnish whatsoever, actually. When I start 
to to hear you two speaking Finnish between yourselves. It was just mind-blowing to see that I was this outsider in the room. However, if you feel like that, it's normal. But what I think what's important here is not how you feel. It's what are you trying to achieve? Yes, it's a little bit weird in the beginning, but it's for the well-being of the kid. They are the ones that need that in their lives. And you are the ones that are providing that. With time, believe it or not, you will start to understand this new language in your life. You, Like I say, a lot of times to people when we travel to Finland these days, some people come to me and say, hey, do you speak Finnish? And this time I can say, well, I speak basic daycare Finnish. I understand a lot of things. I understand the context. I can say words and simple sentences. It's a new word that opens to you. Don't let your feelings get in the way of the learning of the children. You are there to support them and not to try to block that learning curve. I think this is a it's a pretty tricky situation, and I can I can somewhat relate to people's feelings of exclusion and sometimes those feelings are not just within the family itself they could be experienced by the extended family such as grandparents or maybe friends or something like that can also be be cultural in many ways in some cultures in the company of other people if someone speaks a different language to their child for example it's considered very rude and then there are other cultures where it's not such a big deal there are so many different variables that go into this there's nothing wrong with feeling excluded in a way it can be quite normal in that kind of a situation but let's just say that if it is friends or extended family who feel excluded because someone is speaking a different language, I think it's always worth to clarify to them what is your goal, why are you trying to do this, and just saying that you hope that they can understand. Because in the end, it is a decision that you have made as a family to take a certain language approach and follow through with that. And in the end, it's nobody else's choice. If someone feels offended by it or hurt by it, it's too bad. That doesn't mean that it should interfere with this language learning that your child is getting from that. Exactly. I think one good thing that we applied, at least to our families, was to let them know in advance that this dynamic would happen. They understood. I'm not sure how they felt in their own intimacy because this is, would be impossible to know unless they openly say it. But it's your family dynamic. Your life as a multilingual family exists that way due to several different reasons. And these reasons belong to your family only. That's key to you to keep in mind. You have a multilingual family because of specific reasons that are happening around Your family only. Your extended family might uh, feel the effects because obviously they are part of your family. But 
I believe it's your your job as well to prepare that terrain and let them know that this is how it goes, it's needed, why it's needed. You can work this way with them and make them understand what's going on. It's nothing personal. You're not trying to hide anything from them, talking in a different language. Also because it's not going to be the entire family, it's just mom and children or, or dad and children at that, at that moment. And this is, this is how it goes. Afterwards, if they're curious, they can ask, or you can immediately translate once the conversation is done. And this is your new dynamic. I think if you prepare the terrain well, they would accept in a nice way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to set the expectations right within the family, as well as in the extended family and group of friends, if that's necessary. For us, the ultimate remedy or the ultimate strategy for no one in the in the immediate family to to feel excluded is to simple learn your partner's language. If mom and dad speak different languages to the children, the only way to avoid feeling excluded and actually, well, we did that from the beginning. We we were always trying to learn each other's languages, not in any kind of a formal studying way but just listening and when, whenever we had questions whenever we were wondering what the other person was saying we were asking and then just observing i think you're right um be curious if you didn't understand obviously because you don't speak the language ask if you think that in your family everybody should know what's going on just have this agreement beforehand and tell your partner whenever you talk to the kids as soon as you finish talking translate to me tell me what happened mm -hmm. on the other hand you should have this commitment as well to learn and this act of translating all the actions all the conversations that are going on will teach you that language to the point that you will not need to ask anymore. Mm -hmm. Just to give an example, I already talked about myself not knowing anything in Finnish. You fast forward five years and now I do have several interactions where Kaisa is talking in Finnish with our daughters and I absolutely know everything that is being said. I might not be able to answer in Finnish. I'm not going to be able to enter the dialogue in Finnish but I know what was said and I know the full context of the conversation. Then I join the conversation in Portuguese and I just say it. Yes, mom is right because of these reasons. And the kid just looks at me and starts to talk to me in Portuguese. The dynamic will get to a point where everybody will be able to have this kind of conversations and they're really basic and to the point that when you get stuck and you stop understanding, go there and ask again. The, this way you keep the dynamic, you keep the exposure, you keep the kid interested on each of your languages and you don't feel excluded anymore. You're part of the crew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think this is, I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who think that 
they're not that good at languages, so it'll be too difficult for them to even to learn to understand their partner's language. They might think that, well, their partner's language is really difficult, but I think I think you learning, being exposed to Finnish for five years and now around the five-year mark, being at the point where you can understand pretty much everything that I'm talking to our daughters and or when we're traveling in Finland and, and, and whatnot, and you being able to to communicate, yeah, daycare finish, you were able to communicate to kids. So give these simple instructions to kids and have these simple conversations. That's pretty impressive because Finnish is a really difficult language. Of course, I'm not saying that it's the most difficult language you could learn. Of course, the maybe a language that would have a completely different kind of alphabet would be even harder, but I would say the Finnish is up there. And you did it. Obviously, yeah. it took it took some time. So please, whoever thinks that it is too difficult to learn their partner's language, of course, it might be, but it might not be. Just be there, be interested, ask questions when you're not sure. And, you know, after some years, you might just be surprised about how much you can suddenly understand. I think that learning the other person's language is absolutely number one because it's not only beneficial for the family and for you to understand the conversations that are going on, but chances are that your partner's family in her home country also speaks that language and maybe you're going to travel to that country, maybe you visit that country. There are so many other benefits from understanding and being able to communicate in that language. So it's really it's this gift that keeps on giving but anyway let's move on to challenge three another challenge that a multilingual family could encounter is a temporary or permanent change in the family life an example of this would be divorce could even be death in a family or a move to a different country where a different language is spoken. Something big that really changes the dynamic and more specifically the language dynamic in a family. Maybe one language will will disappear and the exposure to that language will be removed because of this change or a new language will be added. What are the strategies to combat this kind of temporary or permanent changes? Change is really hard, right? It's... It's something that have such an impact in everyone's lives. I believe in these cases where you have temporary or permanent change, like I mentioned, it's important to try to seek support from other families, friends. And if you do have extended family that live nearby, they're, they for sure they are good support for you. Trying to adapt to the new culture where you're inserted and see all the mannerisms, trying to see how people live, how people talk. I think that's also a good thing to do, be more open to this kind of situation, basically embrace the change and not make that change to become a hurdle and make every single effort to find a way to make those changes a positive experience for everyone. Nobody here is saying that's going to be easy. I am not 
in such a, a scenario to be the owner of the truth here. But I believe these could be at least the starting point. Definitely. When it comes to changes in your life, if there are these changes that you can plan for and that you know that are coming, maybe that'll be easier. You have you have time to adapt. You can look for resources. You can look for people who have gone through the same thing. You can prepare yourself to move to a different country or a different city, for example, and you can help your children to prepare for that as well. There are these sudden, abrupt changes that you can't plan for. And I think in those cases, it's just important for everyone to get the support and help that they need just to make sure that everyone in the, in the family is okay. And once everybody's feeling more or less stable, then you can take a look at what your next steps will be and what will your strategy be going forward. And, and like Camilo said, sometimes we'll have to compromise and sometimes some of these changes that we did not want to happen, unfortunately, they are permanent and we'll just have to accept them. That's very much what life is all about. That's precisely it. I believe now this brings us to challenge number four, which would be balancing language learning with other life demands. We know that, especially for the families that are alone in different country, or they moved way too far away from their extended family, and life gets busy. Life gets busy, things get on the way, it will be really difficult to prioritize language learning just because things are all over the place. That's the time when you need to stop and stick to your guns. Let's make sure that the language learning for the children, it's not affected, or at least it's not affected that much to the point that they're going to lose that contact with those languages. It's important to set different strategies to make the language learned part of the everyday life. You might have to incorporate them into daily routines, finding fun activities that to do together, and never forget that you will have to adapt and set realistic goals to be able to not lose yourself in this hurricane of new things that are happening around your family. I think the more integrated the language and the language learning is in your routine and in your everyday life, the more effective it will be or the more doable it will be. Let's say that the language learning in your family is mostly outsourced to for example, tutors or some kind of hobbies that the kids go to. And then if there's any kind of a disruption with those or any kind of changes and they suddenly go away for whatever reason, or sometimes you just don't have the time or the capacity or the energy to kind of deal with these external sources in a way. But then the everyday life, the routine and the things that you do at home with your children, all the chores that you have at home, those are the things that you will most likely be doing every day. The more you can have those situations be the language 
rich situations. Those be the situations where you interact the most with your kids, where you listen to music with them or sing with them, when you read books to them. That's something that will help you balance it all out. If you have to drive your kids somewhere else for them to learn the language, maybe on a good week or a good month, that's okay. But as soon as you are not able to do that for whatever reason, then that source goes away, maybe momentarily or maybe permanently. Just don't create too much work for yourself with the language. Try to integrate it in all aspects of life. And we believe that balancing it all will be a little bit easier. Obviously, it's never going to be easy, but whatever you can do to ease that load for yourself a little bit while not having your kids lose the exposure, of course, you should absolutely do whatever it is that makes it a little bit easier for you. Yeah. If you if you play an instrument, try to make silly songs together with them. That works a lot here at home. I'm always trying to play silly songs using the language. I'm playing guitar and I ask them to just come up with anything. And you see that at some point they start to create their own music using the language that you are teaching them. It's it, the, the rewards are there and they are everywhere. Everybody that is teaching any language to their kids, they should keep a few things in mind. They're really important. Time, it's important for them. We as adults, sometimes we take things for granted and we think that the kid is not learning or talking enough. And this is not essentially the truth. Sometimes you just want things to move way faster. We are talking about a brand new brain that is learning, learning how to speak. And I believe sometimes you just think that it's easy. Like I said, we take it for granted just because we speak, how hard it is to speak. But we're talking about four different languages, three different languages. So you have all those difficulties and challenges of learning one language multiplied by three. This is not bad for the kid, but it takes time. It takes time to develop all that and to help with that time. Here comes exposure. Here comes easiness, fun, and all that you can provide. And you will enjoy doing it so because you will be doing all these fun things with your kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's just, uh, yeah, make language and the exposure to the language and the communication with your kid this source of energy and a way to connect with your child. If you do that, you will do great. All right, folks. So we just discussed some of the challenges that balancing multiple languages at home brings, but there are many others. What challenges are you experiencing? Please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Before we go, I would like to say to everyone that actually I would like to encourage everyone to communicate openly, to value each language and culture and make language learning part of everyday life. That, I think that's key to whatever we are trying to achieve with our multilingual children. That's so true. 
And that's all for today. I would like to thank you so much for listening to us today. Today was a little bit longer. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Language Experiment. Subscribe to our feed and follow us on all podcast platforms. Reach out to us via email and social media with your questions and topic suggestions. All links can be found on the show notes. And please share this podcast with anyone interested in raising multilingual children. Let's build a community together. See you next time on The Language Experiment.